speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. everybody uh it's we're back um and i know we're back because uh vias and i just uh chatted for like 20 minutes about uh like left-wing book stuff and then we had an audio problem and had to reconnect so um this has gone exactly how i thought it would and um if you if you thought that our new year's resolution for 2024 was to make the show any better you were wrong (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm at the gym where i'm at the gym working out my uh esophageal muscles for yeah there addiction. we go i'm going to the dentist and fixing my teeth so i don't have that little lisp anymore um <laughs> yeah we're gonna nice we're, we're it's gonna be a big year for for the show um r- right right before we uh we we lost uh we lost a bit of the episode uh jackson you'd ask me like what's up with me and i, I said a few things some puppy related things and uh some job hunt related things but when it comes to hockey i kind of feel like okay the last seven years the way that this team has operated it it, it was coma inducing but the other side of that is that you wake up from the coma and look i've never been in a coma uh trigger warning if you have uh you you kind of hold on I'm, I, I'm going to put my controller down. <laughs> I'm going to start there. <laughs> Absolutely. Classic. Roxy Fever. Not, um, you will not be doing anything differently in 2024. We've learned nothing except what we were doing already was just fine. Yes. Um, when you wake up from a coma and everybody's just kind of going along with their lives, even if you, you missed a week, it doesn't like reality isn't really working for you. You, you, Everybody else says that X person is president or this person died, but you're kind of like, yeah, sure. I, I don't believe you. Like that, that wasn't going on when I was last awake. And when mm-hmm. I was last, I was last, I was last, uh, uh, like, yeah, before, before the coma. And, but this year it really felt like, like I'm still kind of waking up from a coma every time I see any Canucks news in my life. Yeah. But my dog is so confused watching me like, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to my dog during this. This is uh, great. This is, this is my audience. I love this. Um, every single time I see another Stanchi's headline, or I see another tweet, or I see another, uh, like, remember that Shohei Otani stat where it's like, uh, whatever, uh, you know, the famous tweet where it's like, that basically shows like he's done something that nobody's done since Tungsten Arm McGill that, that, or whatever. That's that's the one. Yeah, uh, totally. since 1922. Like, yeah. Things like that happen, and I, I see it on my screen. I see it on my phone. Uh, of another stat that Petter Sander Hughes has broken record, they've broken, and sure, I, yeah. it only exists on my screen. Like I don't, I still haven't been able to acknowledge it's real, and sure. it's January now. Yeah, and they're still this good, and they're running away with it. Um, I'm not going to open up the the standings right now before it, sure. or else I'll confuse myself. But like last time, yes, but. I'm still in disbelief that this is happening. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a variety of reasons we haven't recorded. But in, yes, yeah. But I also haven't been watching that many games and I maybe tune in for the last period and I see that they're up 5-2 and I still like don't believe it. I still, it's not that I'm expecting them to fuck it up. It's that I, I, I'm struggling to believe they've even done all of this already. Totally. Like, yeah. It's like today, what, five Canucks are going to the All-Star game? Let me think. Uh, this is absurd. I think, I think yeah, it's no, Demko four? and then Pat Hughes and then three. three right. Yeah. Game. Fuck. Because just, just like a couple hours ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You're right. Like I am fully I'm I don't understand what's happening. And it's not like I haven't been to a couple of games like I have and I've seen them sure. play live, but I'm still in a state of shock. And I'm kind of feeling bad that I that I'm like not not that i'm not 100 on board like i'm excited but like it hasn't sunk in yet and i wonder if other people are feeling that too um and it's, it's not like we didn't start off hot like i remember seeing people were wearing jerseys on the train on like a non-game day mm-hmm. and uh i don't i don't know i i think i think there's something in my brain that doesn't trust what's going on sure even though yeah. everything like logic dictates like i'm not i'm fully like I don't even believe the PDO thing anymore. I, I fully <laughs> like, like I've seen your tweets talking about how like, sure. Making, yeah. making, making fun of the concept entirely. Like my, my kind of intuition lately is that the Canucks got lucky in a start and built enough runway that they were able to learn how to also just be a good hockey team on paper as well. And not by accident, like yeah. they gave themselves the room to figure out how to be good defensively and all this other stuff. Yeah. While yeah. the top line ran away with everything. For so That's long. a pretty reasonable instinct, I would have to say. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, OK, so you mentioned how like it feels like, you know, you woke up from a coma and how even if you're even if you were only out for like a week that still makes that can still make a pretty big difference. And um like look what the lotto line did in the last in this road trip, right? Absolutely. I Patterson to, with 12 points in four games. I seem to recall uh that a wise man once said that uh there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. And uh I think we're we're in one of those weeks where um <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's finally come around the other way, <laughs> um, where, well, it, it kind of seems to me that the team itself has understood, have, has like realized the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because now it's only now that I'm really seeing people more seriously talk about cup chances and sure. And, uh, setting up from during the trade deadline for like making the biggest splash possible. And I really um, want to talk about that yes yeah yeah uh but i I think to the the first thing that i that i want to say is is i think we've pretty much established this at this point but i am just gonna say um justin throw the air horns in here because we're we're declaring officially if it hasn't been definitively said yet the canucks are good air horns the canucks are good Um, also, yeah, my, my dog's name is Guinness, by the way. I'm not sure I told you that. I before. love, I love that your dog's name is Guinness. I feel like it is taking the like 
give your dog the like most hilarious like rich white child name thing to its logical <laughs> inclusion like wait do do people name their children Guinness I mean no but also would you be surprised if the first <laughs> overall pick next year was some kid from Alberta <laughs> named like Guinness McGinnis Guinness McGinnis uh, um, uh, it's Al it's Al's son yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it's interesting because i've been i've been keeping an eye on their well i've been keeping an eye on a lot of stats uh and i've been keeping an eye on the canucks underlyings in particular and there's a really interesting thing that's that's happening with them where so you know you mentioned pdo and everything and and like i i sort of hate to like even say this at like you know the halfway point of the season or whatever but like yeah the the pdo is really high like it's historically high and the you know like common sense dictates that it will come down at some point but the canucks have been so lucky in a sense that i think it actually undersells how good they've been because this sort of thing like as far as i can tell doesn't usually happen but i was looking at i was looking at their Corsi, their expected goals their fenwick like all their kind of like predictive like shot metrics or whatever and they have spent so much more time leading than any other team in the nhl um, like it's not particularly close. Uh, whoever's second is like 300 minutes behind them or something. And Crazy. unbelievable. You know, I'd like, I'd love to see a stat breakdown of this mm-hmm. team versus the 2011 team on, on those kind of marks, because that would be uh, really interesting. Yeah. Some of some of those stats were jokes back in 2011. Like you, you don't believe it ever happened, but, but right now I wouldn't be surprised if they're matching, if not surpassing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, 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 interesting too because like one thing that is i don't know if we've we've talked about this that much but like pdo is a bad stat and that isn't to say that like at the extremes it isn't useful descriptively but it's like it's it's sort of like nerd plus minus like it it has a lot of assumptions baked into it that are not correct like a team that is good will have a higher PDO than a team that is bad. And at the, at the extremes, like, yeah, you'll say, you know, common sense dictates a team isn't going to make every goalie they face look like 1980s, John Garrett, um, and get goaltending like, uh, 2011 playoff, Tim Thomas or whatever. Um, at the same time, like that, uh, because both of those things are, uh, you know, kind of unsustainable or whatever. But like, I don't like looking at PDO. I'd rather just like separate it. Look at shooting percentage. Look at save percentage. The shooting percentage is insane. The save percentage is because it. they have really good goaltending. So like that part of it, it, it to me is like, just ignore that part. Like the save the save percentage should be good 
The goaltending is good. It's going to stay good. It might be on like, it might be really overheated right now still, but like you can expect it to stay good. Um, but the, they, the thing that I was looking at is they've spent so much time leading that the, the score effects are, are start to get really out of whack because if you're leading, like if you score three goals on the first, what's the score, shots, what's the score effect? Okay. Go sorry. So score effects are um, as quick as possible. The, it's the tendency observed across every season, every NHL team. It's the tendency to give up more shots when you're leading. Right? Right. And and get more shots when sense, you're trailing. Right? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, because you're incentivized when you're leading to, like, give up more shots, but of lesser quality. Um, mm-hmm. So you, it's, it's fine. You, if tight, you, you tighten up a lot more. Exactly. You tighten up and then a team that's trailing throws everything in the net because they just are looking to they want to just get back in the game. And this is true with the more extreme the difference in goals is. Right. So the Canucks have been lucky in the sense that they keep like scoring on the first shot of the game or like being up three nothing in the first period. And then they get shelled. Hmm. But it's like, well, they're getting shelled because they have no reason yeah, they have no reason to try and win the shot battle. They're just trying to hold the lead. And so something that I thought was was fascinating is uh, I'll use Corsi because it's the most extreme example. Um, <clears throat> their Corsi unadjusted is 19th in the league, right? Which is like, right. for, uh, you know, a, a sort of like a, the person that I imagine in my head who's like, kind of looks at advanced stats because they want to get a sense of what's going on, but maybe doesn't necessarily. That, that would be CF on natural stat trick, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're 22nd right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds <laughs> so even worse. That sounds about, okay. So, so that it's changed uh, since the last time I checked. Um, I'm, I'm actually, can you, can you do me a favor? Cause, yeah. cause now I can, now that we can just have the stats be totally up to date. Go to the, um, if you go up at the top, there's a thing that says like game state or something, and it'll say five on five, right? Or five v five. Game state. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Five v five. Oh, all strengths. Go to no. Go to five v five score and venue adjusted. Okay. And now sort by the same thing. Canucks are twentieth. Really? That can't be right. Here, give me a second. See out. Uh, 2023, 20, 2024, regular season, 5v5, score and venue adjusted. All goals, all scores, counts, submit. Give me a second. Number number one is Carolina. CF. Wait. This is hilarious. I love this. Yeah. Give me a second. Okay. Yeah, from the top down. One oh, is Carolina, ahead. 32 is Anaheim. Okay. Next year, 20th. Well, you just said 19th. Like, how much worse could that be? Well, no, I, I because... Here we go. Cut this out, no, okay. No, I, I, I don't know what you did. I'm not sure what I, I'm not sure what you're looking at, but what I was looking at uh a second ago uh said the Canucks were 19th or whatever, regular five on five CF percentage, right? Oh, I know yeah. why. It's because it's because you're not actually sorting by no, I am. Are you? Okay. Uh, but CF. Yeah, yeah. CF. Or, Number no. one is Carolina. Sorry, I'm wrong. 
It's because you don't, it's because you're not sorting CF percentage. That's got it. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) We figured it out, everybody. Okay. Can I, can I start 10th? 10th and, and unadjusted, they're 19th. So they go from being basically like a below middling, mediocre shot share team when you don't adjust for the score to a top, you know, fringe, obviously, but to a top 10 team because that's how much time they've spent leading. And I, I and I uh, I think it's worth noting that I don't think those adjustments are perfect by any means and I actually think it's probably really hard to even account for the kind of effect that leading that much can have on a team. But anyways, this is a very long-winded way of saying that I think if anything the fact that the team has been so lucky might actually distort our sense of how good they actually are in this uh, sort of counterintuitive way where we go, oh, well, they've been so lucky, like they can't really be this good. You're when, saying it's hiding it. I so. think it's kind of hiding it. Like I think the the in in most cases, you'd say the luck would hide how good a team really is in a negative sense. And that's true when you look at a, a a team and then you look at their underlings and all their underlings suck and their PDO is like super high. Um, But I think there's, there's like a case to be made because I really, I really did break this down. I looked at like what their metrics looked like when they were trailing, what their metrics looked like when they were leading Um, when they lead, they get more shots than the other team as a rule um or sorry no that that's 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 not true uh when they when they lead sorry they're still a top like seven or eight team in getting shots they're under 50 percent, but there's only like six teams that are over 50 percent. and when they're trailing they're also a top 10 team in shot share or whatever the the only it's just when they're tied that they tend to get like shelled relative to the rest of the league and so I basically, this is, like I said, it was a very long winded way of saying, like, I think it's hard to get a sense of what their true, like, underlying profile is because we basically haven't seen that many opportunities for them to be trailing and lay it on and be like, oh, we really have to fucking press here and score because instead of trailing, they just keep they just keep fucking getting up by three goals and not having to just like kind of, you know, they could just wait around and be like, OK, well, check their watch. Like, <laughs> I guess we just got to play out the, the other 59 minutes of this game. Like, <laughs> um, it's, you, you know, I don't want to oversell it, but the stats aren't. Uh, the Cucks are underplaying how good they are. But they they haven't really been in desperation mode to play to play up to their full potential. Basically, is what, is what the stats yes. are telling you. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the that's kind of the impression that I've gotten from both from looking at the stats and from uh, watching the games, which I have not been able to do as much this year um, because I work later than I used to. Um, but it it you know when I watch them and when I look at the. Um, you know, when I look at the the tail of the tape at the end of the game or the box score or whatever, um, 
you know, the the impression that I get at the end of most games is isn't that like, oh, well, they were lucky to win that one or like, oh, well, um, you know, they got bailed out by Demko or like yada, yada, yada. Usually the impression that I get is like at at worst, they kind of played like a 50 50 game um, and even when they were bad. I all I've always thought that if they play a 50-50 game and they have Thatcher Demko as their goalie and they have the talent up front that they have they can beat most teams in the league if they keep it to 50-50 because that's the difference that talent makes right mm-hmm. like and obviously the 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 shooting has been wild <laughs> it's been way overheated but i i still expect them to you know i think they've shot 12% at even strength this year which is obscene completely unheard of um but i think they can easily be a team that shoots like 9.5% or 10% at even strength and still be winning these games and still right. win a lot of these games yeah <clears throat> And that shooting percentage would still be high, but it wouldn't be, but it would be like regular high to very high for a team with really good shooting talent, which like, you know, I I don't know what Elias Pettersson's shooting this year, but if it's like 17%, he can shoot 17% for a full season. Like that's totally consistent with what we've seen from him he's a really good fucking shooter and they have a lot of these guys. And then, and they also have some of these guys who um, I think in some ways we frankly forgot how effective they could be because they just didn't have anything else around them. You know, like, like Brock Besser is a great example. Like we forget that, you know, I, I, what would like Brock Besser's had a couple of seasons where he's shot super, super high. Cause he's got a great fucking shot. And yeah, they, they've been lucky with, uh, I think the biggest the the single biggest area where they've been lucky is deflections. That is the one thing that when I watch them, I keep just being like, I they can't keep getting away with this. Like, how do they keep yeah. doing this? Is they yeah, just I feel like, like a lot of half the highlights from this road trip have been like that too. But at the same time, you know, you talked about the lotto line. Like up until this point, they did all of this without, I would argue, their three best forwards on the same line, right? And they also, um, you know, like, like over this road trip, their wins weren't the kind of textbook Canucks wins that we were seeing at the beginning of the season. Um, they plowed through the Metro division in a couple of cases. They outshot their opponent pretty significantly. They got some bad, like, like, you know, they got deflections that went in past Demko and then today they won a game one nothing where they outshot the other team in the third period <laughs> like the, the perfect uh, back-to-back yeah road sand for them they keep and I know it's a cliche to talk about finding different ways to win or finding a way to win or, or whatever but like I, um Thomas Francis made this point um, a couple of times when I've uh, listened to the radio, like they sometimes a team 
finds a new like arrow in their quiver or finds a new gear when they try something that they haven't tried yet. And like um, in Winnipeg, uh, the example that he cited is like basically finally putting Ehlers on the top line, which they should have done like five years ago. Um, I think Burroughs with the Sedins is a perfect example. Um, and the lotto line can potentially be that thing. Um, you know, they had a lot of success for a while playing Miller as their second line center. Um, we could talk a little bit more about JT Miller later, but like, you know, I think there's a lot of evidence that that's not ideal is the way that I'll put it. You know, JT Miller is a second line center. Um, Elias Pettersson as a first line center, separating your talent, playing like Sam Lafferty on your first line. Like just, I think there was an argument to be made that that's not a great talent distribution. Um, but the fact that they had that much success without ever putting together their, th putting their three best players together who lit up the league, you know, three seasons ago or whatever, or four seasons ago. Um, and now they've hit this halfway point through through the season. They've tried this new thing and they fucking steamrolled basically, you know, through uh some of the some of the a couple of the best teams in the league and a couple others who are, you know, maybe have underperformed but are very, very good from an underlying uh profile perspective. Like I think the the metaphor I'm gonna go with here is you know when you're playing Mario Kart and you, like, get out to a really fucking, like, early lead and you're way in front of everybody? Yeah. And you know at some point, like, the blue shell is coming? Yeah. And so you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, this I know whole season I've been waiting for that. And, I, and you know, and you're like, fuck, I know that this is going to get me at some point. But I'm I'm far enough out ahead like I'm going to keep hitting these uh these question mark boxes and just getting rid of my power ups until I find um a mushroom that I can hit right at the right time and avoid the blue shell or if you're uh uh if you play one of the newer ones the little uh uh like uh gramophone box or whatever right yeah and I think that and this will dovetail nicely into the thing that I really wanted to talk about that I was really excited to talk about. Um, I think the Canucks are now in a position with, uh, you know, like a, maybe like six weeks or so to the trade deadline where like they can go out and get that mushroom. And even if the regression is coming, they can kind of get better and boost themselves into a position where that regression that comes doesn't matter anymore because now they're really fucking good. They're a team that has like whatever it is, another star player or um, a, a second, a, 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 like a second line center that can allow JT Miller to stay on the first line or whatever, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like they're in a position now where they're good enough that if they're really, really serious about trying to get better, all of this talk about regression and PDO becomes a moot point. Because they won't fundamentally be that. They'll be fundamentally a new team anyways. So it 
kind of doesn't matter. When it comes to the lotto line, uh, I heard uh, I was in the radio on last night and heard Brendan Bachelor talking about how the only reason, like the first time that the lotto line got put together was, well, we weren't doing anything else. Might as well try putting the best players together uh, and seeing what happens because nobody else was scoring. Yeah. Uh, but in this context, every like Taka has so much trust in all the players defensively, not all of them, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously not all of them. Uh, but he has so much faith in this team that he's willing to take the risk of uh, of letting teams go after like D- a Dakota Joshua line mm-hmm. um, uh, and putting and putting together all the best players on one line. Like this is probably the best line. I'm sure people said this the first time the lot of line was put together, but sure. like Sidians and Burroughs, like in my heart. I feel they're the best line in Canucks history, but sure. I mean, yeah. talent for talent, like all three of those, there are two superstars and then one excellent player uh, for about three or four years in his career, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I absolutely. Now we have three stars. Now we yeah. have three stars. Like, I'm sorry yeah. to call JD Miller's. Well, I don't apologize, but like. Sure, no, no, yeah. We, we kind of have, we have to submit that he's a star now. Uh, yeah. He, he is an all-star as of today. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's this is the best line in Canucks history. I mean, West Coast Express, Brendan Morrison was was there. Uh, yeah, he was sure. important to that line, but he wasn't he wasn't dominating uh, on his own that much. Yeah, no, these are these are regardless of setting aside long term, setting aside the past. These are three star star quality players this year, and they are. Three players that I think Elias Pettersson, he's been a superstar since the moment he stepped on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks. That's not debatable. And Brock Besser and JT Miller, while not maybe, you know, certainly not at an Elias Pettersson level, not that consistent, have both played at star quality for the Canucks before. So it's not like this isn't some new thing. Like we we've seen these three players be fantastic before. And most importantly, we've seen them be fantastic together before, which is why I genuinely think like one of the things that has been actually like really pissing me off lately is seeing the, like what I think is like an, just an insanely conservative outlook from the fan base on what they should what they should do with like their prospects or what they should how they should approach the trade deadline you're, you're talking about things like the poll yeah you're thinking like uh, i saw you talking about the poll where people are saying like would you give up hoaglander a first and i don't know who the third third uh uh uh, what do you call it? Keith it Ballard was like Lakaramaki or Willander or yeah, it was like okay, some, yeah, one of the two. It was it was some combination. It was either yeah, yeah like Hoaglander a first and Lakaramaki, or it might have been a first Willander and Lakaramaki. Like I can't remember what the what the poll sure, was. but there was like sixty percent of people or fifty plus percent of people were saying like no, that would be too much. And I for, think that's and it was everybody for, else uh, for for what Elias Lindholm or I want to say it no, was Gensel, Jake Gensel. It was, Jake. was it for Jake Gensel? Like, yeah, I, I believe, I, I believe it I was. thought it was just, I thought it was for, I've, all, I've only heard uh, Elias Lindholm be talked about on a couple of shows. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, like, the Twitter talk was Gensel for the most part. I'm going to pull this up 
Um, because I want to get I want to get this correct. I'm sure it'll be. Oh, it's like, just really a ball. Easy to find. We, we can get. No, no, no. I want to I want to get what the because it it does affect. Uh, I want to get what the return was, um, because it does affect my opinion on it, and it does affect what I'm what I wanted to say. Um, be able to find it very quickly here. Um, there, where is it? Come on. Yeah, here we go. Okay, here we go. It was, and this is really important because this is very different from Jake Gensel, who I said, I actually said the asking price for Jake Gensel would be too much. Taja's poll was, this is insane. Would you trade one of Willander or LaCaramacchi for a 2C in his mid-20s with term left on his contract? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would trade both of Willander and (laughs) LaCaramacchi And a first round pick for a two C in his mid twenties with term left on his contract. And fifty six percent of people, fifty six point eight percent of fans. And I mean, obviously, it's a random sample or whatever. Like, it's, maybe it's not indicative, but said no. That is insane. That is that's Jim. In, that's Jim Benning to, mentality. That is Jim. Quote, that sorry, yeah. To quote my dear uncle Rick Dollywall, I'm telling you. <laughs> This is everybody else who is also having like waking the up coma. from a coma. Yeah. Everybody else is also a little bit shocked at what's happening. They don't believe it. We don't trust it. And I I legitimately think the city is gonna be pretty skeptical until until this team beats gets out of the first round. Until this I, team wins the series. I guess I I guess I understand that to an extent. But the thing that I that just I, that I just keep coming back to and that I just can't wrap my head around is like. I maybe maybe it's just that I don't maybe it's like I, I I've lost perspective because for so long I was forced to see the dumbest fans with the dumbest opinions takes all the time. But like the amount of people who were like, it's fine that they traded a first round pick for Oliver Ekman Larson. Basically, I realize there's other pieces involved in that or whatever. It's fine that they traded. I'm sorry, but I like a first round <laughs> pick for JT Miller. It's fine that they traded Jared McCann for Eric Branson. Like it's when the team sucked, when the team was terrible, it was like just a constant deluge of like, here's why it's actually good that they kept keep trading the only stuff of value in their organization for like guys who are ready now that the only thing that they're going to do is keep them from bottoming out and getting more of those values or assets that actually have value. Um, Like I saw like eight years of that. And now the team is actually good. They have a 30 year old center playing the best hockey of his career who could like fall off a cliff immediately. They have, I'm I'm just gonna say it. The the single most offensively talented, or sorry, single most like uh just talented in general uh forward they've ever had in their entire history, who could be gone as soon as not next season, but the season after. Um they have the best defenseman they've ever had, period. And it's like, uh, I don't know if they should trade this defenseman who's like 0.4 points per game in the NCAA for <laughs> for 
like a a fucking turbo boost that like <laughs> guy with term who's young. That's insane. I'm sorry. That's crazy talk. Like and, and I think I think it has to be because people are just so used to the Canucks trading those assets that they've come to mistakenly overvalue them for <laughs> for a team that's actually I, I good. That point. Like yeah. and, and this is the, this is the thing is it's it's like I think people get they get stuck in their ways and they think like oh, I see um the problem is that uh, they keep trading draft picks or they keep trading prospects and they need to stop doing that. And that's why they've been bad. And, and so they, people, people just kind of are, are they, they assume that that's the reason it's bad and it, because it's just stupid to do it. That's incorrect. It was stupid to do it when the team sucked, when you're good, that's when you do that. That's why and, that lever is there. Yes. And I was actually like, I was pulling my hair out the other day because I heard Jamie Dodd say on the radio, um, what they really need to do is make the JT Miller trade again. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Yes. And like that's, <laughs> that was the fucking problem with the first time they did it was that they sucked and then they continued to suck. But now, you know, like we're hitting a point we're halfway through the season. We're halfway through the season and Dom's model says that the Canucks have, a 50% chance of winning their division. So there's and eight teams in the Pacific division plus percent chance to win a cup. Yeah. There's eight or maybe teams that's the in other the fucking, one, yeah. um, Pacific division. And the Canucks have as much of a chance of winning their division and getting home, uh, home ice advantage in, uh, you know, Rob, like, I think I think that means they would get home ice advantage in the first two rounds. I don't think there's any um, way that it doesn't work that way. Like I don't think there's any alignment that would uh, that would change that. Um, they have the same chance as the other seven teams in the division. Like now is the time. This is the time to do it, and. Uh, like I, I, I was remarking on this on Twitter the other day, like I was looking at all kinds of different trade targets for the Canucks, just for my own, uh, pleasure, my own edification. Cause I'm not really, I haven't really been writing and, you know, I guess it's kind of for the show, but like, that's not really necessarily the kind of thing that we do. And it dawned on me that I have never done this before. Because the last time the Canucks were any good and I wanted to see who they could trade for, none of the websites that I would use <laughs> now existed, existed or I or I didn't know about them. That's how long it's been. Um but like the 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 dream target for me is uh Joel Erickson Eck. And Taj has been really the only person I think who's even suggested that he could be available. And he is literally some guy. <laughs> so like, I, I got to say every single time I see Taj talk about a player being somebody that we need to target, hmm. I assume he is like fomenting like a coup in the form of uh, like <laughs> convincing another media market 
uh, <laughs> to put that player up for up for uh, exactly uh, a trade proposal. Like I, he's I putting it up on his vision board, basically. Yeah, like, I assume yeah. he's trying to trick another media market through his Twitter every time he's he's gassing totally. up another player. Yeah, this is the same the same way that uh, he was talking about how I don't know another team should hire Benning. You know, sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I didn't actually believe the Joel Erickson act thing. And then I listened to a little bit of uh, uh, your favorite, your favorite uh, commentator, David Quadrelli, uh, talk about, or maybe, maybe it was Harmon talking about how uh, Erickson act is not realistic because he might be the most important player for the wild right now. Above and that totally makes sense. Above. But, but what I will say is he is the guy in my opinion, because you can kind of see it. The team isn't good. Like if they decide to pull the shoot and just be like, okay, fuck it. We're the Minnesota wild. We've been doing the same shit for the entire time. We've been in existence. <laughs> we're fucking pulling the shoot. We're going for Macklin Celebrini. We're doing the, the Blackhawks model minus the crimes. Um, We're going <laughs> to suck. We're going to build like a fucking powerhouse through the draft or whatever. Then, Joel Erickson Eck is the guy you you target as your like godfather offer. Like, sorry, Jackson, I love yeah. uh, doing the Blackhawks model without the crimes. <laughs> it just this is a tiny thing. It reminds me of uh, some interview with Tanahasi Coates forever ago, where somebody oh, yeah. asked him who his favorite president would be, and he was like, uh, Lyndon Johnson without Vietnam. <laughs> that's such <laughs> a good just, answer. <laughs> those, those two things just rhyme with rhyme together. Yeah, that's very the Blackhawks, but without without. The- Crimes. Yeah, I, I, I feel like my my uh, my one is more reasonable. <laughs> oh, because yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, like uh, uh, like if they if they really decide like okay, we're gonna finally do it this way or whatever, and they and they also view like trading Joel Erickson Eck as a possibility and as a positive thing because it will make them worse. Which is the that's always the key with getting a guy like that is that the team you're trading with has to kind of basically convince themselves that it's in their interest to just suck. And so they get a really good return for a good player, but also the return is that they will lose a bunch and improve their draft uh, position or whatever. Like, I'm not saying it's super realistic. I I don't think it is, but the guy that I, I, that I picture in my mind's eye, like, uh, and, it's the guy Taj described mid twenties center with term so cheap. I mean, and this is why it's like, yeah, they'll never do it, but I don't care. Um, make the Godfather. I mean, the, what, you, you mean, you mean why Minnesota would never do it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. But here's the thing. I, I really do think like, I, I I'll, I'll say this. Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford are not doing their job in my opinion if they're not calling Minnesota and being like, we want Joel Erickson act, what is, what would it take? Like they absolutely have to. And when you said that, Oh, they're not going to do it. At first I thought you were referring to the, to the Canucks because (laughs) I think I I agree. They totally would do it. Like we've only had a couple of years of track record with these guys. And so far, like, do you remember that statistic or that, uh, I guess that fact from like, this might've been in November but that 80% of all trades made since the preseason were done by the Canucks. Yeah, exactly. It, it might've been even more than that. And so I, yeah. when I saw people talk about, it, it might've also been Taj and this, this might've been him trying to astroturf it. 
yeah. but saying like, "Hey, Sidney Crosby, uh, <laughs> you know, like, oh man, he's only got so much in the tank, and if Pittsburgh's looking to sell, like." And I mean, with Rutherford and Alvin and like, did Tuckett ever coach him? Did Tuckett ever coach uh, yeah. for, the, for the Penguins? Well, he didn't. He yeah, wasn't I, a head coach, but he ran their power but, play. Yeah, he's associate. Yeah. No, he was I there mean, when they like, won when they won those cups. I I I believed it, man. And I and when they said Gensel, I was like, well, I guess they can also get Gensel. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so it's so funny because Gensel's the guy that makes the most sense. But I'm just very like, ah, whatever, because I just like, I don't know. I, I know I, I, I've been very strong in favor of them, like going out and and getting a difference maker. But like, I I just think like, like, I get that. I understand the Gensel thing because it's like, who's going to be the best player that that's um. I, but at the same time, like. I don't know. Is it that much more realistic that the Pittsburgh Penguins would trade Jake Gensel than it is that the Minnesota what like the Pittsburgh Penguins are supposed to be good. Their window is now <laughs> like it's I don't know. Like I, I what's more yeah, why would like, Hell Dubas do that, right? Well, yeah, okay. it's like, like what's, in the same exact way. Why would the Wild do that at this point? Like right now, today with with zero knowledge of what is going to happen. Um. What's more likely, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, like, kind of don't play that well, struggle down the stretch, um, are bad enough that they're way out of the playoff picture and decide to sell for the first time in, what, 18 years? Um, or the Minnesota Wild, who have been stuck in the same fucking place for ages and ages and ages, who suck, who have made it to the conference final once um, are like, we suck, fuck it, fire sale. Like, I don't know. I don't think that, that I don't think there's that much daylight. And and the point that I'm making here is dream big. Like, I, I, I maybe it's not Joel Erickson Eck, that's fine. But like, Go out and get the guy who extends your window. Go out and get the guy who does the thing that Phil Kessel did for the Penguins, which is totally reshape how you can deploy your lineup. Because now you have, like, basically uh, the, the way that I think of it, like, in terms of forwards or whatever, is, like, if you have four superstar forwards and at least two of them are centers, now the the amount of options that are available to you are like crazy because you can you can load up your first line. Like it becomes can, a math problem. Exactly. And trying, trying to deduce how many different combinations of, of players you can have there. Exactly. And in, in right. Pittsburgh's case, it was like they tried a bunch of different things and what they where they ended up was oh we have an elite first line an elite second line and now when everybody else is putting out their scrubs we have Phil Kessel who's going to mm-hmm. destroy scrubs because he's Phil Kessel um that's that's the the dream and i i you know i i admit that Joel Eriksson-Ek is not super realistic but you know, I see this poll or whatever, and and he's the but guy so that I is, think of. So is this season. 
And so, exactly. like, so is yeah. everything about this season. At and this the point, fact that we do have some prospects in the yeah. cupboard, uh, that like it's it's perfect timing that the Canucks did this road trip, this specific road trip, and performed as well as they did because yeah, a month before the trade deadline, where where is the NHL media centered in? Right? I mean, like yeah, yeah. they were just missing they were just missing a visit to Toronto on this road trip. Yeah, uh, it's the perfect time for. For, uh, for things to get hot, for all the attention to come onto the Canucks and the trade value for all these players to get boosted. And I know that Brad Treleving was at the Buffalo game today from from Toronto. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, did I, sorry, did I cut you off there? No, what I, 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 what I was going to, uh, I, I, you didn't cut me off. I do, I did have one other thing that I wanted to say though, which is basically like, um, I've been dancing around it, but that guy, Joel Erickson, and there are other guys like, um, I don't know. I was I was talking to a, a a friend of mine, a contact of mine who's you know closer to the league than I am uh, about some of this. One thing that I think is really interesting is every smart person that I know uh, in hockey basically agrees with me on this point. Like all the people who were like the Canucks are idiots. They're everything they're doing is stupid. They like. It's just endless nightmare. Like the switch has flipped and they have been, you know, the last few weeks or so, they've just been like, no, their windows now. Like they need to go out and buy someone really good now because chance might not come again. And I think like, you know, someone like Eric Sinek, uh, for me, phone, phone him up. What do you want? What do you like? First round pick Tom Willander. LeCaramacki, Hoaglander, Kuzmenko to make the money work. You got to trade all the, all five of those pieces to get Joel Erickson back. <laughs> Do it. I don't give a shit. Tom Willander is mid. Jonathan LeCaramacki looks really good. He's the one guy that I'm like, ooh, that might be tough. Having to give up on him. Hunter Brustavich. Like, until they play in the NHL, it's all magic beans. You know? I'm draft-pilled yeah. at this point. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like... Until they play in the NHL, you never know. There was a there was a time. This is, this would be a perfect time for JD to join the show as the third mic. It, I, I'm really <laughs> for I, you to be anti prospect. <laughs> this is why I'm trying to trying to get him on. But I, <laughs> this this is the thing is that it like how recently was Jesse Pugliarvi an absolute untouchable in Edmonton? Like what? Like two years tops, right? Like, well, fucking, it was a second overall pick or whatever, third overall pick. Like, um, and how much better would the Edmonton Oilers be right now if they had tra- traded Jesse Pugliarvi <laughs> at the peak of their value? They they might have a Stanley Cup. Hey, did you um, hear that Cody Hodson might be coming back? What do you mean? Like, I swear, I heard Elliot Friedman say something about Cody Hodson, and then I saw somebody on Twitter. Late moments later, confirm it, saying that Cody Hodson is apparently making a comeback. Uh, he's 34, and I think he's what? trying to get into the a- AHL. Oh, okay. I might be wrong about, it, but but I'm, look- just, I'm gonna look this I, up. I just immediately started thinking of Gillis and how and how he was trading right before 2011, um, and how it would have been kind of cool if the Canucks traded Hodson right before that. Uh, it's but- true. Former Canuck center Cody Hodgson wants to resume career. I somehow missed this. Yeah, I, I think it just got revealed today by by, by Fridge. But 
But no, I. Well, okay, I, no, I, we figured it out. This is the guy. This is who they have to add. <laughs> this is the guy. <laughs> this is what they have to do. Bring him home. <laughs> fix. Fix. Hey, Gil- the, Gillis fix isn't the, the GM anymore. Papa yeah. Hudson isn't going to get in a fight with any Canucks uh, management. Okay, hopefully. so this actually touches he on... He might be dead. Who knows? This actually touches on a couple of other points that I wanted to make that relate to this. Um, there are... There are we, you know, I've been talking about things that people haven't considered. Explanations for why the Canucks are good, etc. One thing I've touched on over and over again is, have you considered that they don't have the worst general manager in the league anymore? Um that's like, you know, there are there are all kinds of reasons that, um, you know, it's not like the Canucks just showed up and we're suddenly the the just by, uh, you know, we're suddenly just God's anointed team and they're just the best team in the league. And it just shrug your shoulders. Sometimes shit just happens like there are reasons why they've looked so good that go beyond just luck and also beyond just them playing well um thing number one something that people have been talking about more recently that i completely agree with is that like the rest of the league just kind of all simultaneously took a shit at the exact same time like the good teams are just not as good right okay now, that's interesting to me yeah reason. because when you, when you said whenever i've seen something that says that canucks are running away with it i'm like waiting to hear that there's some other game like that it's just going to haunt us, that is haunting everybody else somehow. But no, it's us and nobody else. And you haven't like, been what, paying, ha- what happened this year. You haven't been paying that close attention, right? Because I want to I want to ask you something. Very little. Go for it. That I That's feel it. like there's a like zero percent chance you will um get this right. But I want to make sure. Oh, it's well, still OK, correct. don't rub my face in it. But yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> OK, Um, just give me a second. I'm, I want to. Do not look at the stats on this. I'm arranging my Tupperware. Don't worry about it. Okay. Do you know? Yeah, okay, great. Do you know what team leads the league in points percentage? Not overall standings. Points percentage? Points percentage. So they've won the highest percentage of their games or or taken a point in the highest percentage of their games. That would be... That okay, depending on when we both refresh our computers today, mm-hmm. which yeah, for me would have been 20 minutes ago. Sure, it's the Canucks okay. or it's the Jets. Yeah, it's the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, no, I've I I saw that, uh, like that didn't escape me because I was like, what the fuck is that, folks? You're telling me you don't think the Canucks are better than the fucking Winnipeg Jets? Well. I mean, who's to say they're that good this year? I don't fucking know. Who's their competition? I well, and that's part of the point. But we have the Canucks beat Vegas this year. Uh, I don't know, but the Vegas. I know, I know that they're. I know they haven't been amazing, but like, yeah, I still respect. Still respect the Cup winner. Because I, I, when when you were talking about how the Canucks have been sort of like the stats have been hiding how how good they are. Like that narrative, maybe the stats don't equal the same thing when you look at sure. teams. So I'm talking about the post, uh, like sophomore years for cup winners, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that just not what cup, like that sounds to me what cup winning teams do? Yeah. Uh, or like dynasty teams do during the regular season mm-hmm. after they've already won a cup is like mm-hmm. they, they, they kind of do load management. Yep. They don't play 100% the whole year and then they know when to turn it on later on. Um, yes. And the Canucks, like all the narratives I've heard, they rhyme with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I, and, I think there's and, some truth to that. And so, and so, but, but going to the point about Vegas, I, I, I am like, well, okay. Even if, even if uh, we're better than Vegas, I'm still, I'm still afraid of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, but this is, it will always be true unless you're like, for some reason, the 1982 Vancouver Canucks, it'll always be true that you'll have to beat good teams to advance in the playoffs. But, you know, with things as wide open as they are this year, like, you know, like weird shit can happen. Like Vancouver could win their division. They could face off against Seattle in the first round. Who's like, hasn't had a great year. Um, and then, that would be super fun. And then uh, Colorado and Vegas could each like get upset. And then all of a sudden uh, the team they're facing off against in round two is like, I don't know. Let's take a look here. Like, um, I don't know, like Dallas or like Nashville. I don't know. Like it, it could it's just one of those those things where it, if you, you know, you can't worry too much about like, oh, well, there's other good teams. There will always be other good teams. But I just I look at the standings. I look at points percentage like we're more than halfway through the year, at least for the Canucks. Um, and I don't see an obvious team that's like, boy, that team scares me or boy, that team is just fucking poised to win the Stanley Cup. Like, all of these teams have flaws. The Canucks also have flaws. They could go out and get somebody and and all of a sudden be the cup favorite. Like, who knows? And and this this is really this is the the point that I that I really wanted to get to. Okay, actually, just very briefly. Something that I've talked about before. You know, how bad Jim Benning was and everything, all that, yada, yada, yada. Something that we've talked about before Jim Benning with Mike Gillis, and this pretty much takes us to most of the cap era with the Canucks. You know, they have like Dave Nonis for half a second right at the beginning of it, and then it's Gillis and then it's Benning. Jim Benning was really bad. Mike Gillis, I think when you when you've become as like blackpilled as I have, there's a sense with Mike Gillis that it just felt like they were never going to let him win. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, uh, he, he, it's like, the, it's, it's what if Jeremy Corbin got, got in there, you know, that's, that was, that's how it, it was exactly what I was going to say. It's if exactly like happen, what happened to Jeremy Corbin. Mike Gillis would have won GM of the year. Yeah. There, it just sort of felt like, Oh, uh, the fix was in to a certain extent. Like, the how that I, I, will, team, I will add to that though yeah. like he also was a rookie gm i know That's like true. rookie gms yep. have definitely like made it all the way before plenty of times mm-hmm. rookie yep. coaches too but like you know like uh if mike gillis had had a couple cracks at it before 2011 probably would have done 2011 differently and i just think that's what, another factor to consider there definitely it definitely plays into it something that is worth considering as we approach the trade deadline Jim Rutherford is in the stone cutters. We know that. And we definitely know that after what happened with Bruce Boudreaux and the fact that it did not (laughs) do 
a single goddamn thing to his reputation at all. Jim Rutherford, for all I know, is president of the Stonecutters. <laughs> um, you know, Jim Rutherford and, and and you know, like what a team really needs, I think, sometimes is, you know, a guy at the helm who's president of the Stonecutters and then a hatchet man who is just a complete psychopath, which is pretty much what I think Patrick Alvin is. Um, <laughs> that he just gives me that vibe. He he looks like the the uh, agent forty seven from Hitman, but with glasses. Um, yeah, he's a Steve Larson character. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, you know, so it, he's the kind of guy who can call up the Chicago Blackhawks and be like. Boy, looks like you got a real problem. You new new uh crimes just dropped. Uh and all of a sudden you can't meet the cap floor. Would you like to take on our garbage uh and give us something for it for the for the you know the privilege of it? Yeah, you would. Great, fantastic. Let's make that happen, you know. Um yeah. so that's that's very much worth considering. And then there's there's another thing that's worth considering. And this is like a this is a more cosmic thing and i and i i realize that it's a it's a bit goofy but it it's something that i want to explore anyways um i was listening back uh recently to i i want to note this so that people can go back and hear it for themselves um i was listening back to episode 66 of Roxy Fever. You listen today. to the show? Sometimes. Oh, nice. Uh episode six or episode sixty-six from twenty twenty one. The episode Canucks Luck with Yerky twenty one. Uh the Andrea Doria episode. Um where we made the case that the uh Canucks are the George Costanza of Right. Yeah, NHL we're the teams. unluckiest team of all of all time. Potentially of every of any sport. Yes. And I was I was listening back to some of those things like, you know, the the being one of the earliest expansion teams having at least at that point in 2021, the worst winning per, or the worst points percentage of any team ever in existence that somehow still had zero first overall picks. A team that's existed that 19 that's existed in that since 1970 has no Stanley Cups has reached game seven in the NH er, of the Stanley Cup final twice, lost both times, only team to do that. Reached the finals three times, lost all three times, only team to do that. Having Wayne Gretzky airdropped into their division, uh, getting burned by Gretzky again, potentially, and getting Mark Messi instead. Having just people die all the time, like way more than you should have happen to a sports franchise where everyone is young and healthy. Um, the, the, the list goes on and on. You can go back and listen to the episode. If you're, if you're so inclined. Um, in like a, a, a grand cosmic sense, isn't the thing that kind of makes the most sense just that randomly they just go off after being like the worst team in the league for eight years <laughs> inexplicably get like a 105 PDO all the way through the playoffs. And that being the year that it happens when just like no one thought that 
it would happen. Like, I understand that that's complete gambler's fallacy shit. But so is looking at the first 41 games and going, ah, well, they won't be that good again because it doesn't (laughs) matter. It's a completely independent 41 games. The last 41, the only, or I guess it's 43 now, but it's like the only thing that we know for sure is the case because they got a 105 PDO over the first half of the season is that now they're leading their division and there's a giant cushion behind almost everyone else. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think now is the time. Um, and I know that I, I probably seem a little bullish, uh, particularly because there's been so many long spaces between episodes. Uh, but I, I just think the, the calculus has changed and it's not like I'm saying sell the farm for a rental. Like I'm saying dream big. And this has always been, people may not realize it, but this has always kind of been my point, And it was a big part of the reason why I hated Jim Benning and why I hated that era of Canucks hockey so much was that it was like the death of expectations of standards. Like I've been at this shit my entire life. I'm about to turn 31. I want them to win the Stanley Cup. That's all I want. I don't care about any of the other shit. Like, I want them to win one Stanley Cup. I want to hug my dad. Then I want to move on with my life and do something else. (laughs) (laughs) And not have to worry about it again. Um, And uh, I just think, like, you don't get that many chances. You got a GM that's in the Stonecutters. You're fucking everything's going in. Like, here, here's one for you. Okay, we have a Trump liking coach. I mean, yeah. we just gotta, we just gotta do it. Absolutely. Everything is working in our favor. All the things that we probably usually wouldn't stomach, but you know, is what the hockey men like are happening. Yeah, just let's 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 just fucking cash the check. Here's here's an idea for you, on the on the subject of of making things right. Um, we've talked about Chris Tanev, right? Yeah be wonderful I, I, i'm pretending that we have but yeah i mean i, I maybe we <laughs> i don't know if we have but it's certainly i think i'm i talked I've about t- it with Cody i've talked about it in the shower uh, <laughs> um i i would love to see chris tanov brought back into the fold he's at the end of his dear deal i believe yeah he is um that's great was would love to to see chris tanov brought back even just as a rental um I was talking for a minute there. You know, Joel Erickson, that's the dream. A second-line center. Uh, a legit two-way second-line center. That's great. What's the one thing that could be better than a two-way, a proven two-way second-line center? Who proven two-way second-line centers? I mean, absolutely, that's true. But what I was going to say... Oh, is proven uh, right-handed D-man. A two, uh, well, the, the, absolutely, yes. That's very good as well. How about a proven two-way second-line center who's also pro-Palestine? Folks, how is about... Ryan Miller a forward again? <laughs> how, how about uh, something like 
Andre Kuzmenko, first round pick, and a prospect. So maybe a maybe maybe not Lakaramaki or Willander because one of the assets I'm talking about is slightly distressed. Four, Chris Tanev. And Nazem Kadri, fifty percent retained on Nazem Kadri. You get him for three point five. Oh, I would love it. He's oh, thirty four. Oh my god, I, I'd buy the jersey. He gets I, one I more really, year. I really think I would. One more year after this year, where he's on a no no trade, he barely has to even. He, it's a it's a quick car ride to move here, <laughs> and then that after those first two years, the fifty percent retained. Just send him to Roby Dial. It's a fucking Calgary Flames problem. Retirement gift. It, these are. This like, is what I mean. What's his contract like? Uh, it's uh, really long, and he makes way too. And he, well, he makes <laughs> seven million dollars, but it's hey, way too. Patterson's leaving at the end of the year, anyways, baby. I, Who cares? This is, this is what I'm saying. Dream big, right? I I, I really think they should assume. Like, look, best mm-hmm. case scenario is that we win a cup. And Pedersen's like, oh, that was incredible. I want to do that again. Let's stay. Yeah. But like, we should assume that he's. I like. <laughs> we should kind of operate as if we he is leaving for sure. Like, I yeah. I don't want the Canucks to assume that you know by like we'll figure it out and like Olivier will will do the Gillis thing and fly sure. to Sweden, accept this thing. You know, it, yeah, well, it won't be as impressive this time. But like, uh, you know, like. I don't. I don't want us to make decisions based off the assumption that we're getting Patterson and that we uh, yeah. we get some rental that's really expensive and like like Jake, like a Jake Gensel type rental where sure yeah we lose him at the end of the season anyway. That's and then we're left with bare covers afterwards. Like and that's I kind of don't care about next season, but yeah, I want totally. us to go all in. That's but what, that's, that's why all. I've I just, been. I just want us to go all in. That's why I've been kind of big on like try to get like uh, Trevor Zegris is another guy that that's been around although he's had some injury trouble and i don't know how much he's going to help you this year and so i I don't know about that uh that would be something maybe i'd more pursue in the off season but like sounds kind of too too good to be true to me like yeah he's he's kind of distressed right now uh as an asset because he's he hasn't had an easy time but regardless i i'll go back to erickson act because i think he's like the best example at least of a guy that that has people have said before on a team that's bad like that's why i'm like go get that guy because then worst case scenario or get a guy like that because then worst case scenario it's like you go on a big run this year um and then it's like okay petterson's not gonna sign well now you just tear it all down you just you you trade petterson and you have joel erickson on a cheap deal and you could trade him too like yeah fine whatever who cares like um, yeah, like I, I, I just think, you know, the strike while the iron's hot, uh, this is the South, you know, things look good right now. There, there may not be, uh, uh, a better time, I guess. Actually, I just on on me right now. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is Elliot was right. The Elliot plan. <laughs> it's the Elliot plan. plan again. The Elliot what was plan, plan was, again? The, the Elliot plan was sell everything, go all in. <laughs> The, you're right the, the elliot plan what was the, the elliot plan was like <laughs> this team's either gonna do something or it's not and like uh, their their window whether they are like ready for it or not really their window is now and like 
they're realistically they're not going to get any better so just like whatever just sell everybody and just be like you know like i think what he what he actually said was basically like as long as nobody goes pack back or nobody goes past like 2027 or like 2028 just go all in and then when it doesn't work you can just tear down and rebuild and you'll be in like the exact same position you would be yeah in it's not going to be worse than we are now yeah yeah or than we were then i, I was going to say like oh another perfect like uh factor going on is uh jim rutherford is uh probably on like death's doorstep like he's, he's very yeah. old everybody and mm-hmm. so he's going to make like he's even more prone to making the kind of decisions of like yeah fuck it like yeah why why wait uh, five years to see where this team goes like no uh elliot also same way knew he was knew he was getting out knew he was leaving us uh <laughs> yeah. not, not due to death uh no. but 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 life instead yes um uh so yeah that that's perfect that's amazing i i did walk into the show thinking like um oh how did this take form it was that the Canucks were so demoralized by by our by our conversations <laughs> on the show for, the, for yes. those five years, yeah. and so once Elliot was gone and the show lost steam, um, you know, <laughs> the they locker have, room, yeah, the locker room was a lot happier. They weren't constantly uh, listening to our podcast and getting sad. It's you know, I mean, and hey, we honestly, know that people inside the organization were listening to the show. That is true, and another thing is you know we confirmed that this year i have been humbled a little bit by the season before chris favor by the way yes yeah um before chris favor that's correct um bf uh bc bc before i love the idea i can't remember when ryan beach got hired but i just i love the idea that at some point like in the entire time we've been doing the show basically like someone has been listening to the show like in their headphones while they just like refresh natural statric in the <laughs> in like the Canucks press box or whatever or like not press box because that's uh that's media but like in the Canucks front office just like yeah yeah um but uh uh um fuck what was I gonna say fuck uh yeah no I've been I've been uh humbled uh a little bit by uh this season and one thing that. Basically, you know, I've had to reconsider some things. And one thing I may have to reconsider is that all of those people who were mad at me for such a long time and other people at Canucks Army, um, because we were making the team worse by criticizing them and uh, making no one want to play here and making everyone upset. Maybe they were right. Maybe when I stopped (laughs) for a minute. But that if here's the thing, if I have that kind of power, then Jim Rutherford, I'm speaking to you right now. Jim, Patrick, I know you listen to the show. Go trade for Joel Eck. Do it right now. I don't care what it costs. Get him. This is the power that I have. You, you, you say, fuck it. Let's be legends. Do you want to win by one point or do you want to win by 30 fucking points? It it would be the funniest thing of all time if you won the Stanley Cup and then immediately everyone left and the team sucked again. That would be the funniest thing that's ever happened. And that you is destiny, it because you... and it's what I've been asking for this whole time. Absolutely. I don't, like, no more playoffs ever again. Just give me one ring. 
I won't care. The only thing I'll that could that make, ring. <laughs> the only thing that could make it better is if Luigi Aquilini redacted the day before they won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> that would that's the only thing that would make it better is if Francesco Aquilini did all of this so that very relatably, I might add, even if they're both evil, uh, he could win one for his dad. And then, you know, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, I Think about how awesome that would be. This is the I have thing. A popcorn question. Oh, yeah. Sidney Crosby, yay or nay? Let's 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 say let's say after that Pittsburgh game, I know that there was a little moment mm-hmm. where Crosby was apparently waiting for Talkett after the game, uh, while Talk was being interviewed, and uh, yeah, Crosby was waiting to talk to him, mm-hmm. and Talkett did this little thing where he's like, "That guy, that guy, that guy there is the best," and he and he leaves the interview yeah. to go talk to him. Let's say oh, like, look, all the pieces are there, and he he strong arms the team into the return not being not being so crazy. You know, Pittsburgh owes him, owes him a couple. Management sure. owes him a couple. Would you do it? He just hates but, but, Kyle Dubas so much. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah, let's say, it. dude. It's, I, if Sidney Crosby wants to play in Vancouver, like short of short of how I realize this is very much a Stav Stav yeah, question. Of course, but like, <laughs> like yeah, would yeah. You, if somebody offered you a million dollars, would you take would it? you take it? Yeah, it's a very <laughs> Stav hypothetical. Like, yeah, no. I mean, I saw the Taj tweet or whatever, and I was like. I think I I sent it to the group chat and I was immediately like, okay, this will never happen. But could you imagine? Like, I feel like they're there at some point. Somebody has to be like, whether it's like, I don't know if it's a GM or an agent or just the player themselves. Has to just eventually do the calculus of like. Imagine if you came to Vancouver. Like, just imagine what that would do for like like because because vancouver's never gotten that guy the the you know like the closest was like matt sundin for half a season at the end of his career and think of and that was think of what how crazy that was like whether it's the trade whether it's like the the closest thing they've ever really had is like you know, Luongo is pretty close. And then like Pavel Bure, who they drafted the Sidians, who they drafted. Like, that's not the same. Like, like imagine if, uh, you know, like Stamkos that, that time when it was like, maybe he'll go to Toronto. If he just like came to Vancouver, like how insane that would be. And I don't know. Like, I just, I've been thinking about that for a long time. That's just like, they, the guys that they have now have some juice. Like they have, this is the first time ever in my entire life that I've like turned on hockey night in Canada and watched the the national media and seen people say like positive things about the Canucks basically. And when I feel I, like when people I'm, saying Pedersen's the best player in the league, like yeah. I'm hearing that from East coast media right now. Yeah. Like no one ever said that about this. And, and, and even, though they were wrong. even though they were wrong. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, and people affirming like Quinn Hughes is on the same level, if not higher than Adam Fox. Things like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are coming not from people in this time zone. It's just things are so ridiculous at this point. Everything is just so like fucked, like completely just not what anyone expected. Like just guys dream big. Think about how terrible 
Think think about the worst moment of Canucks fandom that you've had. Think about how awful it was. I was talking to a coworker of mine today who was at the Heritage Classic. Right? Yeah. I that wouldn't be my pick, but if you said that was the worst moment as a Canucks fan, cool, fine. Yeah, I get it. Like that's yeah, that's a good I was, answer. I was at the, I was at that game. Yes. I was it's it's a very I'm very happy that we could barely see the game. Yeah. Uh, from our seats uh, or else it'd be even worse. But yeah, that's awesome. so many good answers. Uh, so whatever it is for you, as bad as that was. It could be that good. Because everything is completely random and meaningless. And this is the the one, you know, the, the thing that I that really is the thing that is like the little devil on my shoulder through all of this is like. They. The, it's that stone cutters thing. Like people around the league like, and want to say nice things about Jim Rutherford and Rick Tockett. And, and it was like, they wanted to do that with Jim Benning too. But the problem was that Jim Benning was an idiot and terrible, but like, you know, I, I, basically from what I've seen from like this front office, I don't even think they're like that good, but I don't think they have to be like, I think they can just be average and be in the stone cutters and that's enough. Like the yeah, Kuzmenko they, they thing was terrible replacement level, but that yeah. wasn't even replacement level. Exactly. Like the, with, with the guys they already have with the ability to be the team that benefits from the Chicago Blackhawks not being able to afford like another scandal and just being like, ah, fuck. Uh, yeah, just uh, the, the quicker we do something and get up to the salary cap floor, the quicker people will forget. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, like I said, I, I know I've been bullish, but I mean, it, it just my whole whether whether the, the plot got lost or not, like my whole thing over this the entirety of the time that I've covered or written about or podcasted about the Canucks the my central problem has always been zero ambition like I want to win the Stanley Cup anything less than that is not good enough and that is the attitude that I want not just the general manager to have but like the media the fans everybody um and um I mean fuck like it's just Everything is going so well right now. I I cannot imagine passing up a chance at just even just fucking winning a playoff game in front of fans, winning a playoff series <laughs> in front of fans for the first time in ages. Uh, because like you you're you're worried about giving up a guy who might be like a number three, four defenseman in three years when like Elias Pettersson might not even be here when they're good right now. Fucking fucking Israel just got banned from the double IHF tournament. <laughs> Things could not be going better in the world of hockey for me right now. Feasibly, it's, it, it is impossible. It, like this is the 100th percentile of how good things could be going. Um. Uh, just go out, get whoever. I don't even care. Just, just I, I was, make I was sure thinking when I, 
as my dog was pissing, I was thinking about all, all these, uh, like the, the coma thing once again, and how like other people clearly are kind of feeling the same way. And how like, yeah, maybe water cooler talk is happening, but water cooler talk isn't really like, oh, this team is like confidently possibly going to win the Stanley Cup this year or be, be in the Western Conference Finals. Like uh, one reason for that is that there wasn't anything on paper that changed between this year and last year besides Rick Dockett. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so because there wasn't anything to point through and then the Canucks just started winning games, I think people didn't have like, like they didn't know how to make that switch uh, and, and realize that this team is so much better. Uh, yeah, some of us see the standings and watch the games, but like your average person, like, mm-hmm. like my 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 stand my standard here is what gets grandparents buying jerseys for yeah, their kids. Because totally. I remember 2011, like grandparents were buying jerseys for themselves, uh, like my friends' grandparents, and like what can we get to that level through? And one of the things, uh, like short of us winning the series, is getting a marquee player mm-hmm. and and like waking up a lot of people in the city. Yeah. I know season ticket holders have, have told me that like there's demand for, for games, but those games against like Minnesota, the Islanders, uh, St. Louis, those games are not selling still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is like the demand isn't quite there that you'd expect. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course. Cause we jumped from being one of the worst teams to the best team. Totally. Um, and like, Look, maybe not Crosby, but I I do think somebody <laughs> like Joel Erickson Eck or Gensel, sure. like yeah. the first time we've ever gotten a player like that in the trade deadline, I think I think there's motivation for management to pick up somebody good, not just because, you know, the players deserve it and mm-hmm. this is the right time to go all in, but also like marketing is a factor in player personnel decisions. And uh, you have to communicate yes. to the market that like, hey, you should pay attention. We're this good and we're going to be even better. And so uh, I hope that that's being factored in because um, I think it deserves to be. I I cannot stress this enough. I This was, I think, the the biggest epiphany I had this week watching the, the Canucks just fucking shred through the Metropolitan Division. Jim Benning can't hurt you anymore. He's gone. He can't hurt you anymore. I watched JT Miller score like three points in five seconds. And I was like, <laughs> man, I'm just going to have to like keep fucking hearing about this for the next like seven years or whatever. And I thought about it for a second and I was like, maybe that's true. But it was never about JT Miller. It was always, it was about, always about Jim Benning. Jim Benning. It was always about the the trade, but more importantly, Jim Benning. It was like every fucking. Is there point a way this... that we can get a cameo from you to JT Miller instead of the other way around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every every point for such a long time, every point that JT Miller scored was like, ah, this is another fucking year of Jim Benning. <laughs> we're gonna have to have because of this. Like, they will ne- they 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 will just. This is like. Uh, fucking sisyphus and the rock it's just going to be the same thing over and over again every time this guy does well it's going to be used as a justification for the guy who signs his contracts in crayon to just run the team in perpetuity none of that matters anymore the francesco maybe can still hurt you but jim benning can't so even Francesco when Fran- can hurt a lot of people yeah exactly yeah Quite literally but so, so. who do you think what you think you're so special 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah, come on. He's he has plenty of people that he's going to hurt. He's not, you know, you're I guarantee you, whoever you listening right now, you're not at the top of the list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he you know, and and there's a there's a big difference between when you're when your general manager is like, uh, yeah, what, whatever you say, whatever you say, boss uh, versus when your general or I mean, I guess president or whatever is like. I care so little about what you think that I will execute the most embarrassing coaching firing in the history of the NHL. That's how little I care um, about you and your, your dumb ideas about PR. Um, I I assume uh, you do not listen to the show and do not listen to shows that you are not on, but uh, I did just want to share something. I did not listen to the Cody episode. No. Yeah, I did want to share something with you because I think you will think this is funny, and this is only for you because the listeners already heard this, so they don't care. But uh, we were talking about uh, like uh, Jim Benning and uh, how uh, I and the the thing that I figured out that was the problem is uh, you know how Jim Benning would always be like. Uh, uh yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go out and do this and stuff and uh uh and and we think he's pretty good and stuff uh we cody and i decided that the problem with the vancouver canucks for eight years was the stuff that they were doing and now that they have a general manager who's not doing the stuff anymore that's why they're good i just thought you would appreciate that very good anything else? where is he now where where is Jim Benning now? Jim, he's uh I I I guess he's uh where like wherever those guys go, like I, I it's crazy. Like I think I think this market might have broken him. Cause like he his contract is if, up now. Like, it, like it probably didn't just break him, but like it broke his family too. I, right? Which like, and that I do like as much as I do Which like wasn't make, good. Yeah, no, like and as much as I do make no, fun no, of the guy, like I do actually have like a genuine sympathy. Yeah, we've said it a mil- we've said it a million times. Like he you know, all men are brothers. He is one of those yeah. guys who who just his demeanor and everything. Like you you know you get along with him. Oh you definitely. Don't want him running around I've, I have heard like people tell nice nice stories about uh him and stuff. Like I I I don't know. Like, I want him to come back. That's the thing. Like, I just don't want him to be here. But like, he was so funny. Like, he was genuinely. I I'll I I will give him credit. Like, um, once again, like listening back to the Yerky episode or whatever. Like, um, he was probably the worst general manager in Canucks history, and and you know all these terrible like terrible luck, but also ter- just terrible decision making or whatever. Like. But I will take Jim Benning over Mike Keenan. And I still think you can say that Mike Keenan was still like that was still the worst era because Jim Benning was at least hilarious. Like every day uh, when something bad or stupid would happen, it was like you knew that you could open up Twitter and something funny. There would be something funny that came out of it. And and so like I I. I'll at least give him that. He was a genuinely hilarious character. And I, I, in a, in a strange, like small way, I do miss him. And I, I, I really hope he comes back to be general manager of preferably the Oilers. That would be, that would really what I, what I would dream is just some franchise that I hate to hire Jim Benning. And so I get to see him again every day 
but know that he can't hurt me. And if anything, uh, you know, maybe like, I don't know. Uh, I would maybe... prefer Toronto, not because I'm one of those sure. guys. Yeah. Who's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, fuck Toronto all the time. It's that I'm going to be force fed immediate diet of Toronto stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, this I'm like is back, back in my life like that. That would be, it would be great because that would mean that, um, I, yeah, I would love to see him be the general manager of the Leafs. I agree, not because I care about the Leafs, but because that means that the general manager who I will see and hear the most from would be Jim Benning, and that would be really funny. Like, it would just be so awesome if the one general manager who, like, has to do a post-game press conference like the coach <laughs> after every yeah, game. Yeah, like, he was, was able Jim to get away with... Like, you know, all the times he never spoke to media, mm-hmm. like he'd have, he wouldn't be able to get away with that in Toronto. I maybe, his uh, poor, uh, his poor children and wife. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. God. It's really, <laughs> it's really too bad. Uh, I, um, I, I, yeah. I was going to say before we close the episode, we, we're, we're, uh, we're like winding one, down now. Yeah. Yeah. Like one resolution is like, yeah, maybe this is a function of me being, uh, currently, well, unemployed, but technically being paid at least for five right. more days. Yeah, perfect. Um, best is of that, worlds. Yeah, it's, it's it's the best. I need I need to utilize this a little bit more. Um, resolution is that okay? It's halfway through the season. I'm going to regret it if it's like March and I'm still putting the same interest level into this team. Because mm-hmm. uh, like back 2010, 2011, that era, I was really focused on. Some very nerdy shit and i wasn't following along with the games that much i was mm-hmm. reading and everything mm-hmm. but like i always regret not being hyper focused into the team yeah the it's funny uh which is just the worst time to not be focused on the team yeah, whereas absolutely. 2015 2016 i'm like i know i actually know cap information about this team like fuck me right yeah absolutely uh, no it's hilarious i'd like to i i'd like to have us put up episodes out weekly again maybe mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe uh, once every two weeks at most, or at, at, at the very least. But like, I want to do it more episodes, often. Yeah, let's let's just like light a fire under our asses. And finally, get that third mic. That like bully that third mic. Rotating uh, third fun. mic. I guess I guess we just have to do it. Yeah, uh, no, we yeah. got to do it. Yeah. We got to. We, ha- we, we gotta... have our eyes on the prize on on yes. one person, but you know, we'll this podcast is Elias Pettersson. It might not be here next season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, I, I agree. We got to get that, uh, rotating third mic figured out and I, I want to do it more. And I did, I was trying to, uh, to do it more, but it just kind of didn't, it didn't, uh, work out that yeah, way. Yeah. Up until, while. up until December, I was in zombie mode at a job that just wasn't fitting me. And well, so I was just yeah, on totally. another planet there. And, and now, for the next three yeah, weeks, my, uh, my drummer is in Jamaica, so I won't have band practice or band stuff to do. So the next like right little while would be a good time to to do stuff yeah, and that includes it. the patreon by the way which you should subscribe to and there will be stuff up there and i apologize about december i don't know if you even knew this vias but flub and i did the nhl soundtracks episode and then i yeah. fucking lost yeah. it because my computer took a shit yeah but, no, i saw that that's okay um we'll, we'll, we'll just redo it yeah we will let's let's do that soon um Maybe that'll be even the next one we do. I don't know. Sure. Uh, but but subscribe to the Patreon because I, I I promise that whatever whenever we do do that episode, it will be the best Patreon episode that we've done. 
Um, and and we will do it before before Elias Patterson is gone forever. Um, I I promise. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Parting thoughts. I don't know. Um, everyone keeps doing think, the thing. Let's, Sorry, please. What? Yes. No. Everyone just keeps. Just, everybody yeah. keeps doing what? Everybody keeps doing the thing where they go. It's just so nice that we can do this again or whatever. It's just so nice that fuck that shit. I'm it's fun to talk I, about stuff. It's yeah, fun yeah, to I've talk about stuff. That's great. Not good enough. <laughs> I I want more. Should we, should we just like I am greedy. Just immediately transform into what the Canucks media was in 2011 and yes. just absolutely rip on every mistake this team makes. Yes, exactly. Be, but from be the, the other end. negativity. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I, I, but this is the thing is that it's like, this is, this is what I wanted is that I want, I, I want to, I want to be I a want hater to, when it's good. Exactly. I want to go back to the team being good enough that like when they go out and trade for Jake, Jake Gensel, just be like rental. <laughs> I wanted the guy with six years of fucking term on his deal. It's great. I was told Crosby was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Anything less than Sidney Crosby in a Vancouver Canucks uniform, not good enough. Sorry. Oh, shit. Not what I paid for. Not what I paid for. All right. Anything for any, any anything? <laughs> to, this has been a very well, silly one. I've enjoyed it a lot. I, yeah, I have too. I'm, I'm happy to be, be back, and I, and I hope uh, I hope we do this again next week. Well, while I assume a lot more news will come out about trade targets, and uh, I'm going to pledge to watch watch these games. Absolutely. Every one of them. I can't hey. believe I, I stuck around for 1 p.m. to watch this pretty boring game. But mm-hmm. you know what? Nope. Oh, that's the uh, You know what? I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, I'm stuck at home with the dog anyways. I've got I, a I great... Mean, like, the, the, the main reason why mm-hmm. I've been so de, like, demotivated to think about hockey is because mm-hmm. since the season started, there has been a genocide, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Just, you know... I'm not making this about me, but like, wasn't my biggest interest to to talk about the Canucks? No so shit. When they were, yeah. When they were doing so well, I was like, well, it just kind of it just kind of washed over me. I didn't really care. Yeah, um, totally. And now that that I was there for changed, a long time, but too. like, you know, you know, I'm I'd, I'd like to have a little hobby, uh, yeah. and 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 just like just have at least one thing, and and it's nice to talk to you again, mm-hmm. uh, yes. every every week or so. So I think that'll be good, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get that third mic nailed down, but in the meantime, let's go revisit small friends. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I got, I got a good idea for a Patreon episode. Let's talk about it. Uh, I, I'm going to end the episode though. Okay. Bye right. everybody. Thank you everybody. Bye-bye. Remember anything less than Sidney Crosby is not good enough. Start saying it to everyone, you know, right now, Sidney <laughs> Crosby, 2024. Bye. <laughs>